Hello and welcome to episode nine of Rain Over Money. This is Kevin Hissong. Thanks so much for joining us. We are under the lights in the arena tonight. Uh, a little different vibe. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. See if I like it or not. Not one hundred percent sure. But uh, thanks for joining us. Episode nine. We're going to be talking about uh, working with a financial advisor. What to expect. In episode eight, we covered uh, choosing an investment advisor, things to think about, and uh, if you're working with or going to be working with a financial advisor, uh, this episode is going to give you a little bit more detail about some things to look for and things to uh, expectations from yourself and from your advisor. So let's jump right into it uh, because I am in a hurry to get out of town, uh, getting out of Dodge for a vacation, which is a perfect setup for a tease. I don't usually do a tease, but coming March 1st is probably the most anticipated uh, episode that I'm going to be filming. That's just based on uh, some feedback from, from uh, friends and family. It's going to be talking about maximizing credit card points and how we travel and save a ton on travel uh, to the uh, tune of about $18,000 over the last three years. I've calculated that we have saved on travel. So just a tease, that's coming March 1st. So make sure you subscribe, like uh, uh, via the, the video cast or the podcast so you know when that's coming. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll update you more as that gets a little closer. But again, March 1st for that. Uh, and that may be a special episode. We might, may go a full hour on that because I want to go in detail and walk you exactly through how I've set it up over the last two years to do it. It's nothing that's instantaneous, but over a year or two, you can totally take advantage of the credit card companies, at least for the time being until they change things. Anyways, let's jump into it here. We don't have a lot of time. First thing I want to say in regards to the previous episode is I didn't want to get into this, but I maybe shortchanged uh, a group of folks when we were talking about a fiduciary. Again, a fiduciary is a very important question to ask your financial advisor. Are you a fiduciary? That means they have to act in your best interest over theirs. Not everyone has to do that. A lot of true salespeople out there that you have to be careful of. But uh, in the terms of fiduciary, I mentioned that if somebody is a registered investment advisor under the Investment Advisor Act of 1940, they are bound to be a fiduciary and act in your best interest. There's also two other groups. Um, and I wanted to get into this with designations. You know, a lot of people use letters after their names as, uh, as financial professionals. And the two you want to look for, uh, the, the top of Mount Rushmore, or at least the, the, the top of the mountain is a CFP, a Certified Financial Planner. You've probably seen it, you've probably seen commercials put out by the CFP board. They're the governing body for CFPs. Uh, but CFPs are fiduciaries as well. They do not have to be registered investment advisors. They do not have to be fee-only advisors. They can be uh, commission, fee-based, fee-only, hourly and salary. <laughs> hourly and salary. Yeah, that rhymes. Anyways, uh, so they can get paid anyway, but CFPs do have to act in your best interest at all times. And these people have put the work in. Uh, you have to be, to be a CFP, you've got to take some preliminary classes, pass those initial exams, and then sit for the CFP exam, which is extremely hard. Even the classes are hard. I will tell you, I took three of them and uh, they're, they're extremely hard. Uh, so you have to take the classes, take the exam. You also have to have work experience 
and then you have to sign off and, and, and pass on ethics as well as it relates to being a CFP. So a lot goes into being a CFP. So if you see that, that is a, a financial professional that has dedicated extra time and energy to uh, becoming the best at their craft. So definitely something to look forward to, um, to look for uh, in, in a financial professional. The other one is a chartered financial consultant. You may see the letters CHFC, Charlie Henry Frank Charlie. Um, they are not quite a CFP, but still under the fiduciary um, spectrum. The difference with a, a, a charter financial consultant is they've taken the preliminary education classes of a CFP. They just haven't sat for the exam yet. Um, so in that case, um, you know, on the top of Mount Rushmore, CFP, and then designation-wise, charter financial consultant right under that. Look for those two if you're choosing or looking to work with a financial professional. Otherwise, there's a lot of other alphabet soups out there, AAMS, AIF, um, you know, there, there's, there's just a ton of other things that, frankly, I don't think matter. I mean, they're great to have some, some, some uh, continuing education and training for financial professionals, and it's great they're putting the work in. Um, but really, the CFP and the, the Chartered Financial Consultant are the two to look for. And the great thing about CFPs, if you are looking, uh, you can go out and let me make sure I get the website right. Uh, you can go out to just the CFP.net, but you can also go, if you go out to CFP.net, there's a link and I'll post it on the website and it's called letsmakeaplan.org. Letsmakeaplan.org. And there you can type in your address and find CFPs very close to you. So a very great resource. Uh, CFP board does a fantastic job uh, of kind of being the governing body for CFPs. So definitely something I trust in and believe in and uh, would definitely recommend to you all as well. So that's something in regards to designations and going back to the fiduciary rule. Now, let's say you, you've got a financial advisor, you're working with someone, what to expect? Well, there's a couple of different ways of uh, pieces of expectations. There's expectations um, of yourself as a client, and then there's expectations of the advisor. I'm going to start with expectations of you, the client, because I was a financial advisor for a short time. It wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, I preferred working on the institutional side versus individual clients, but I did learn a lot. And uh, a couple things I learned was one, many clients have multiple financial advisors. Uh, at the time, I think the average number was if somebody works with a financial advisor, they actually are working on average with 2.5 advisors. Obviously it's an average, you can't cut a person in half. Um, but that being said, maybe you wanna cut a financial advisor in half sometimes. But um, what, that, what I found with that and what that tells me is you're not giving everything to a, an advisor in a trustworthy manner to make the best decisions on your behalf. If you're going to work with a financial advisor, it needs to be a one-on-one -on -one relationship, all in, giving them access to all the information to make the best moves for you. You know, if you're doing stocks and bonds with one person and you're doing uh, ETFs and mutual funds and retirement plan with another person, it doesn't all jive. Um, so, so please, if you're going to work with somebody, you know, maybe you're in a transition phase, maybe, okay, you've got some assets, with one person, but you're testing someone else out in, in uh, thoughts to convert over time. It's actually very easy to convert from one financial to advisor to another. And that's another misconception is a lot of times, if you have investments, it, you don't have to sell out of all your investments to transfer to another financial advisor. Uh, in many instances, um, it's called an ACAT transfer, A-C-A-T. And all that means is the assets transfer from one custodian to another. You don't have to sell out of your stocks. You don't have to sell all your ETFs. It's just a transfer from one custodian to another. It's done by the brokerage firms 
uh, or custodians, so it's not a taxable event to you. So it's actually very easy to transfer your assets from one uh, for, uh, firm or financial advisor to another. So just something to keep in mind there. But again, you know, be trustworthy, try and use one advisor. And also an expectation uh, as a client is, um, I, I think one thing you have to understand is your advisor is probably not going to beat the stock market. Uh, no matter what you see or hear, rarely do investments and advisors beat the stock market. I think you have to go into it and this is something I do. If you know your stock and bond allocation or your, your investments in, in securities are tied to the stock market versus the bond market, let's say 70% in stocks, 30% in bonds, your average return should be a combination of 70% of what the S&P 500 has done for the year and about 30% of what the, um, the, the bond index has done for the year. I think um, uh, Barclays has a bond index. Uh, there's a couple other uh, bond indexes that are pretty familiar out there. So that that 70-30 combination, if the if the stock market did 10 and the bond market did five, you're and uh, you're a 50-50 split, your average return for the year should be about seven and a half percent. And that's how to, I think to kind of gauge how your investment advisor is doing. You should always keep an eye on things. Always review your quarterly statements, your annual statements. Definitely talk to your advisor if you see something off. But don't expect if the stock market's up 10 percent that you're going to be up 15% for the year, and especially on the downside, um, because you're going to fill out something from the advisor called a risk assessment or risk tolerance. And it's very important to fill that out accurately because it's going to set up how you're invested. Uh, are you going to be an aggressive investor, a moderate investor, um, um, conservative investor? You know, usually the younger you are, the more aggressive you can be. Uh, I would say even at 48 years old, we're moderately aggressive because I trust in the stock market over time. I know one or two years here or there could be an issue, but over time, uh, I'm going to get the gains of the market. Uh, so definitely fill out that risk tolerance because it's extremely important because let's say you say that you're aggressive and the stock market does what it did uh, last year and went down about 20%. That's the stock market in general. If you are invested 100% in the market, uh, your investments could be down anywhere from 15 to 20% with even a very good investment advisor, because that's what you said your risk tolerance was. And I see a lot on Twitter and articles about should I fire my investment advisor and people upset because they lost 15, 20%. If you say you're aggressive or moderately aggressive and the market's down 20%, your investment advisor is not going to return a, a positive return or even really probably a flat return for the year. They're going to lose money because you've told them you're okay to be invested in the stock market. Now, what's important to understand is on average over the long term, the stock market is up three out of every four years. That's pretty much been the case. So you can expect three out of every four years, you're gonna see positive returns. Every now and then you will get back-to-back -back down years. And you know that, that can really set people in a downward spiral. But just know over the long term, three out of four years, the stock market's gonna return a positive return on average. Uh, past performance is no indication of future performance, obviously. So some things to think about there. Um, the last thing I wanna cover is when to start using an investment advisor. You know, most of us start out, our first investment is, is usually a retirement plan with our company. Um, I don't think you necessarily need to start with an investment advisor at that point. If you're putting money away into that, usually A, 
There's a lot of resources. If you're with a smaller company, there's a lot of resources uh, for finding a risk allocation and choosing the investments for your 401k or 403b or whatever it may be. Um, but also, um, you know, the, the, the plan resources, either through HR, you may find out or through the um, the administrator of your 401k, there may be actual physical help that you can go to and work with that's usually free of charge. Uh, you can work with the company, say it's a Fidelity or a Vanguard, uh, you can talk to them about it, or there may actually be an individual or a firm that is kind of overseeing your 401k. So you can talk to them as well. Uh, again, usually free of charge. So I would start with that. You don't need to hire a financial advisor necessarily for that. Once you kind of maybe get out of 401k and you want to start doing some other things and you don't want to do it on your own, because again, I'm not here to tell you to do it on your own or not. Um, you know, many people do do things on their own, but if you want to seek out a financial advisor, once you're doing your 401k, you get in some maybe other discretionary money uh, that you've got access to, you want to invest, I would definitely seek out, um, you know, the, the CFP, the Chartered Financial Consultants, uh, Registered Investment Advisor, um, but what you're going to come across a lot of times is starting out with not a lot to invest. Uh, you may be priced out of some of the best firms out there. There are a lot of firms that I worked with that their client minimums were a million dollars of investable assets, and you get a lot for that. You get access to a large firm in most cases. You get access to, to tax um, experts, estate planning experts, um, uh, securities law experts, um, so, so, you know, you get a lot when you have the, you know, the more and more money you have, you get access to a lot, just starting out, you're probably going to be working with an individual and, um, that's okay. Again, find someone, establish trust, interview that person. And, um, you know, again, make sure, uh, follow your quarterly statements, follow your annual, annual statements, make sure you're on track, go to an annual meeting, at least go to an annual meeting. A lot of advisors will probably call even to try and get you into quarterly meetings. I know it's tough to get into quarterly meetings. I know with my clients when I was doing it, it was tough to get people in once a quarter, but <clears throat> excuse me, annually, definitely seek out a professional and, and, um, and review things annually because your job could change. You could be having kids, insurance needs may change, whatever it is, uh, definitely seek out for an annual side. So with that, that's really all I want to cover for this episode. I think that encapsulates everything I wanted to talk about with financial advisors. So I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to get out of town for a few days. I will see you next week. We're going to be talking about tax, taxes, understanding taxes and tax planning. Um, but yeah, thanks for choosing us for, uh, for episode nine, Kevin, his song, Rain Over Money. And again, look forward to seeing you March 1st for maximizing credit cards uh, and credit card travel hacks. Thanks for joining me. Again, Kevin, his song, subscribe on YouTube, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good day.